Heike Kessler-Heiberg, speech and language pathologist and professor, talks about a unique, one-of-a-kind acquired brain injury program offered free of charge that provides education and support to the brain injury community. Learn about the classes offered, practical topics covered, as well as Heike's advice for healthcare treaters and brain injury survivors. Hi, I'm Dr. Dan Gardner and I talk about traumatic brain injury recovery. And today I'm pleased to be talking with Heike Kessler-Heiberg, a speech and language pathologist and also an instructor at a local acquired brain injury program. Traumatic Brain Injury Recovery. Welcome, Heike. Hi, nice to be here. Thanks for joining me. Heike, tell me a little about your background and then tell me about the program you work with. Uh, I was trained as a speech-language pathologist and that took sort of a circuitous route. I was studying linguistics back east at Georgetown, studied abroad for a bit, realized they had a course called Patholinguistics, took that, and then realized that in the United States they have a whole field of study of speech and language pathology. Came back, back in DC, got my master's in speech pathology, did a year with preschoolers Mm -hmm. as my clinical fellowship year, but always knew I wanted to work with adults and always knew I wanted to work with adults with neurogenic or cognitive communication disorders Mm -hmm. and so when I did finally finish all my schooling I did sort of a nationwide search decided I would like to live somewhere else and ended up in Southern Southern California with a very large private practice uh, up in in Orange County Mm -hmm. and the reason I mentioned that is because that I think was really fundamental to my whole outlook and philosophy about treatment, um, working with brain injury survivors, in that I did home health in those days. So I literally traveled from house to house to house throughout the course of the day, seeing five to six patients a day all over Orange County. And once you're in somebody's home and you're working with them there and you meet their family and you see what they actually value and what they need and how they interact with the people in their lives and with their community in that sense and with their household, it just it helped me develop a much more practical approach it's to treatment. It's hugely important at yeah. versus being in an isolated, quiet office where right. you don't know what the demands of the daily life are. Exactly. So I thought that this was really fundamental to my entire outlook, a very more of a client-centered, holistic approach. I had learned about that in school, but this really drove it home. And I also, while I was there, worked at some hospitals, Mission Viejo, Saddleback, so I got to work in rehab settings, I got to see people one-on-one. Also very, very instrumental in how I developed my practice. That's where I also first, and this was the early 80s, where I first encountered patients that you'd now say, well, they had mild traumatic brain injuries. And at that time, nobody took MTBI, seriously or post-concussive syndrome there were very few doctors who even acknowledged that something like that existed mostly people were just told to go home and you know you'll be fine yeah Yeah, just rest for another year or so yeah and I started to see these people that would come to me high school students saying I was a straight-a student and now I can't even get a C Mm -hmm. or I was top performing at my work and now I can't seem to function anymore and I'm trying and I'm doing everything and they're sending me to psychiatrists 
it's all in my head. Mm-hmm. That's demoralizing yeah. to be told that. Yeah, exactly. So I started to develop, a, uh, there was one neurologist who would send us these patients and I started to develop a treatment protocol even back then. And that's always been a special interest of mine. Good for you. Good for you. So then how did you get from there to the acquired brain injury program? Yeah, well, what ended up happening is we moved down to San Diego. I started working for Sharp and doing the normal thing a speech pathologist would do, one-on-one therapy, inpatient, outpatient. Eventually, they came to the speech department and said, is there anybody here that would be willing to spearhead and sort of get involved with this new concept that at that time in the country nationwide was new day treatment program. Yes. And that was meant to be individual and group OTPT speech where people would go for an entire day, Mm -hmm. six hours a day. Mm -hmm. And I was the only therapist at that time that raised my hand. So I ended up being the first, prior to that it had been kind of like a rec program. Right. And I was the first one who sort of helped revamp it into a cognitive retraining type program. Yes. And this and was in the 80s. This was in the 80s. This was yeah. like 86, 87, 88. Mm-hmm. So that helped me develop group curriculum. Mm-hmm. Up till that point I'd been just working one-on-one, so yes. I started developing classes for the patients that wanted to go back to school like study skills mm-hmm. and memory strategies for right. everybody right. obviously. And that was very fortuitous for me because at some point a position came open at this acquired brain injury program mm-hmm. that was run by the community college mm-hmm. and they were looking to revamp that program which mm-hmm. up to that point had been fairly small and also more with a rec social kind of aspect to it but they wanted that cognitive component right so they wanted more of an educational as opposed to a socializing type of exactly setting. and then um I left Sharp to do that with another instructor. There was only two of us at that time, one program, and what was at that point maybe 30, 40 students enrolled and two teachers has now grown into four distinct programs, each with a group of teachers. The largest one being the one that I now am at is the have been at since 1989. Wow! Um, the acquired brain injury program. It happens to meet on the Mesa campus, but we're part of continuing ed. Mm-hmm. And we have seven teachers, and we enroll about 140 students a semester. 140 a yeah. semester in how just many, that one program, which is the largest. Over the years, how many students have gone through your program? If I count up the number of students and patients I've seen, were thousands and thousands. I mean, I can't, yeah. Yeah, that's lovely. So tell me, how do you facilitate the recovery of a brain injury survivor? At the ABI program, program. yeah. I always like to say I've worked almost in every setting in brain injury. I've done ICU, inpatient, outpatient, day treatment, um, residential facilities, support groups, my own private practice, adult day health, and this has been by far my dream job really um, for many reasons and it kind of gets clear as I sort of describe the program this is called the acquired brain injury program it started in the early 80s with Mia Miyataki roughly modeled the concept came from a coastline community college up the way yes but theirs was college you had to pay college tuition you could only go for two years you were assessed, so they were able to hand pick who they wanted in the program, and you had to go through a very specific curriculum. Right. Ours has been totally 
radically different than that. Our concept was we want to help people regain a sense of self. We are doing this through continuing education. So the San Diego Community College District, Mm -hmm. which is one of about 112 districts in California, Mm -hmm. Community College, Mm -hmm. um, oversees a continuing education department, which most other a non-credit department that most other community colleges don't have. Mm-hmm. They have some non-credit classes. They certainly have disabled student services and maybe mm-hmm. some classes, but it's college, mm-hmm. which means there's course repeatability issues. You can only take it so much. You right. have to pay. With us, it's continuing education. So it's as if it's the same as being an older adult and wanting to take watercolor classes or citizenship classes or parenting. How how is your program so fortunate to be allowed to be structured and funded that way? We it was just sheer luck. I think that it got started. Mm -hmm. We don't know of any other program in the country like ours. I was going to ask that. Yeah, we really don't. Uh, We've had numerous students move from, I'm thinking just who we have right now, from New Jersey, from New York, from Arizona, Mm -hmm. to be able to come to this program Mm -hmm. once they've exhausted everything in their own local area. They hear about us, a hairdresser, you know, somebody tells them about it. Through the grapevine. Through the grapevine. So we don't do a whole lot of... We feel we really fulfill a gap in the continuum of care once all insurance... So we are designed once all insurance options have run out. Mm-hmm. We sometimes have people that are still going to therapy and coming to us, but we really encourage people to get all the one-on-one they can get out of the system. I see. Yeah, and we don't want insurance companies to think we are in lieu of providing that. Well, so at what stage of recovery do the survivors enter your program then? Generally, once they've exhausted okay. their one-on-one options, mm-hmm they have to meet certain criteria to be in our program. We have four different ABI programs right now in various locations. We have one down in ECC, ECC ABI, that's run by two speech pathologists. It's three days a week in the afternoons. And it's primarily for people that have pretty significant speech and language issues. More severe impairments. Yes, aphasia. No, more severe speech and language Oh, speech and language. Very specific. Aphasia and dysarthria type of issues. Uh And then we have a morning program that used to be elsewhere, but now is housed where my afternoon program is. Mm-hmm. And that's 9 to 12, five days a week. Mm-hmm. One teacher, one group of students, generally around 20, mm-hmm. sitting in front of that one teacher. And each teacher has a different specialty. Mm-hmm. So uh, it might have a more psychosocial bent that day because of who the teacher is and it might have a more cognitive bent on another day. So one teacher per day, a different teacher each day. And that group of students stays there. And these are typically students that need a small, quiet, more structured environment. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they're there for maintenance and socialization. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they have the capability of moving into our afternoon program Mm -hmm. or to other things. Mm -hmm. And so that's what we provide for them. Then there's a Wednesday night program, and that's run by a speech pathologist, a colleague, Margaret Mm -hmm. Jones, Mm -hmm. and that's designed for people who maybe work during the day Mm -hmm. and want to fine-tune their skills Mm -hmm. and or want to, you know, just get a Mm -hmm. Mm tune-up at some point. Uh, Maybe they volunteer, maybe they don't want to come to the afternoon program, maybe they've been in the afternoon program and now they're doing their Mm tune-up. It's very much student-led. 
the issues that the students have, what they're dealing with. Like there might be a person who says, I want to give a presentation to my church about brain injury. So mm -hmm. they will work on it that night in mm -hmm. class mm -hmm. and present it to their peers oh. and get feedback. Okay, they'll practice it in front of the peers. So that could just be one person's project. Right. Uh, it's always different. Mm -hmm. Then we get to the AVIPM program, which is the large one that I mentioned, 125 to 140 students enrolled, mm -hmm. of which maybe 15 or 20 are new every semester. Mm -hmm. Most of these are repeating students. People stay with us probably on the average of two years. There are people who've been with us 10, 15 years. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Goes back to the issue of acquired brain injury, brain injury being a chronic condition, right. not something that's it's just... And many people, it's lifelong. Yeah, and most people, there's some aspect. Our students are 18 to 80. Uh, mm. They are varying levels. Mm -hmm. So in a class, I can have a student who's severely aphasic, can't speak much, but has a great memory, knows exactly what we just did. Mm -hmm. Sitting next to a student who's extremely articulate, but doesn't remember what we just did five minutes ago. Right. Sitting next to somebody who just had a concussion and mm -hmm. never even went to the hospital. Oh. Very high functioning. Sitting next to somebody else who has language, intact language, okay memory, but has a lot of frontal lobe issues with impulsivity and behavioral. Mm -hmm. Right. All in the same class. That's quite a feat there, and it's quite a challenge to be able to address the needs of all those different people. It is. It, that's part of the fun. That's part yeah. of the challenge. I have to say our group of teachers are phenomenal. We've been together a long, long time. Mm -hmm. We're contemporaries. Mm -hmm. I think that's why it works so well, not just because of the teaching staff, but because of what people learn from each other and people rise to the occasion. You set the bar a little higher. Mm -hmm. And there's such a sense of community and support amongst the students. Uh -huh. Phenomenal. I mean, people that probably would have never really spoken to each other prior to their injury uh -huh. now find friendships and build connections and support each other. Even if one person is struggling to get out the words and the person sitting next to them has a PhD and is completely articulate, mm -hmm. it's amazing how they support each other and how they learn. What a powerful factor in recovery. Yeah, it really is, and that's what I think part of what makes the program so unique. We take a numerous etiologies, causes, so it's not just traumatic brain injury. Mm -hmm. um, the other major cause would be strokes. Right. Then there's also tumors, anoxia, mm -hmm. uh, and brain infections like encephalitis. Right, right. Uh, we've also had people in our program after electroconvulsive therapy. Oh, really? Because they often suffer memory loss, memory loss yeah. or memory impairment. Let's mm -hmm. say that. Mm -hmm. And um, but it has to be an acquired injury, meaning it has to have happened in our case, our criterion, after the age of thirteen, mm -hmm. because there has to be some sense of before and after. Right. That's a common theme throughout all the classes. Mm -hmm. And um, if you're five you don't, and you get hit by a car, you don't go around saying, well, when I was four, I could do... It's not you know, a matter it, of adjusting to the new me. Yeah, exactly. And we also don't take any kind of progressive neurological disorders. Mm -hmm. That would be Alzheimer's, multiple sclerosis, because we take people that are medically stable. Stable. Yeah. I see. And mm -hmm. um, that's been important for the mm -hmm. for the way the classes are run. It is open entry, open exit. So mm -hmm. even if you're not there on day one, you can still come. Mm -hmm. You can always come back. 
and you can stay as long as you feel you're making progress. Good. Yeah. So, and there's obviously no fee. It's non-credit. There's no grades. There's no fee. And I brought, for instance, to just highlight this one particular program. Camera can probably see that there's many boxes on here. So there is a lot of content. A lot of classes to choose from. We do not test students. We have an interview with them. Uh We figure by the time they come to us, they've been tested up and down and sideways. Sure. They get to pick their own classes with mm-hmm. some help from us, but mostly their own, because we feel that's also very important that they have some feeling of autonomy and independence in their choices. Sure. We have time. So if it doesn't work out, we can guide them to other types of classes. But that is paramount that they pick. Can you talk to me about what the specific classes are and topics? Yeah, we have in our new brochure where we have pictures uh, that we do cover a number of different categories Mm -hmm. and we are really consumer driven client centered they tell us what they need we have developed all our own curriculum Uh there is nothing purchased here every single class so my some of my colleagues teach more of the psychosocial classes for instance everything from personal development to emotional intelligence emotional regulation cognitive behavioral theory, sexuality after brain injury, mm-hmm. those types of classes. Then we Wonderfully also, practical classes. Right. And that deal with the emotional, the grieving, the loss, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the adjustment. These curricula that you've developed internally, do you share these with any other programs? Does mm-hmm. anybody ask you for those? People do ask. And what we get a lot is, oh, how can we start a program like this in New York, for instance? Sure, sure. We'd be happy to share all of this. It's not really in a form that's publishable at this right now. I see. But the problem is, their biggest challenge always is, where do we find the funding for a program like this? It would probably best happen in most other places, unless they can get their community college to have continuing ed and so forth. Mm -hmm. Ours is state-funded, based on attendance. Uh That they would open some kind of clubhouse model. You know, where uh-huh. people would have a punch card and pay $10 a session. I don't know, something along those lines. Right, yeah. right. I know that it's very common in education today to make a video of the presentation mm-hmm. and put it online so that people who aren't there physically can have access to it. Do, do you ever do that? We don't do that, but we've been talking about that lately because mm-hmm. transportation continues to be a major problem for most brain injury survivors because yeah. most don't drive. Well, I was talking to somebody in another organization that works with family caregivers mm-hmm. of brain injury survivors. and the director of the organization was sharing with me that they gave a conference for families and they had physically uh, physically 40 people showed up but they had 400 people who viewed the thing so I think that's a really valuable tool if you have the technology and the resources to do that. Certainly for that would be a challenge but we could probably do it keeping in mind that we in the afternoon program it's three hours a day four days a week and the classes run different days. Different sure. teachers are there different days. Sure. So we'd really have to, would somebody want an entire course? Right, and I'm yeah. not talking about you know, 100% of the right. video. I've, I'm, right. When somebody comes in and gives a specific targeted presentation, exactly. just a thought. Yeah, no, no, it yeah. is a thought we've had. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. we might have to hire you to do the video. <laughs> 
because none of I, us are I didn't that. learn that in my psychiatry <laughs> residency. <laughs> but we do want to also help the people that can't physically get to us, and that's been right. a big challenge. Right. Um, but going back to the curriculum, what it covers, and mm-hmm. what might be interesting, what to put on a video like that. So those are all just different class titles I mentioned that run 16 yes. weeks, yes. so many times a week. Then there's a number of classes that deal with coping type skills and stress management, stress management, meditation, those kind of classes. And there's other classes that deal with physical aspects, but also attention and so forth, like yoga and multi-level physical fitness that are adapted. Mm -hmm. Then there's other classes that deal more with expressive writing, computer journaling, those kinds of classes, Mm -hmm. public speaking, giving presentations, organizing your thoughts. And we have some vocational classes that work on helping getting people into volunteer jobs, soft skills at the workplace, Mm -hmm. what do you have to reveal in a job interview, what not to reveal, Mm -hmm. again, that kind of thing. And then a number of, obviously, cognitive-type classes um, or creative, appealing to people's creative side. We have creative recovery. I teach drawing in the summer Uh that works on right and left hemisphere-type aspects. I also teach cooking after a brain injury, how to organize your kitchen, and some nutritional ideas about what's healthy for the brain. Mm-hmm. Teach memory strategies, of course. Mm-hmm. Study skills for people going back to school. I teach a book club where we read by books by survivors. Mm-hmm. So that addresses the psychosocial needs, because mm-hmm. they can obviously relate. But we also work on vocabulary and reading strategies. People who are aphasic can participate because I put the books on tape. Mm-hmm. So we try very hard to accommodate everybody in the program. I'm impressed with what a comprehensive program you're describing. Yeah, it's 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 been a labor of love. Let's put it that way. For yes, sure. and you said labor of love, and before you said this is the area that you like the most. It sounds like this is your passion. Tell me, what is it about the ABI program that appeals most to you? Oh wow, I think the thing that appeals most to me is that I have time to actually get to know people and really help them. So you're talking about developing a relationship over time. Over time, because when you're working as a therapist in the hospital setting, for instance, or even outpatient, inpatient, doesn't matter, you only get so much time because the insurance company is only going to pay and you have to justify every breath you take. And you have to come up with the right language to do that. And that really got to me back in the day. And it's basically only gotten worse. And when, in 1989, we could keep people in the day treatment program at Sharp. I had people, patients there for nine months. Yep. Now you're lucky if you get nine weeks. Same with my experience. When I was a consultant at mm-hmm. the rehab program, there were people there for brain injury and stroke four to six months. Now it's, what, 17 days mm-hmm. length of stay. So I think the other thing I like about it, other than developing that real relationship and really having a feeling you can help people achieve their goals, and we're really big on regaining a sense of self, who am I now kind of thing, uh, is that the creativity, we have free reign. The district does not see us as these multiple courses. They call us one big thing called cognitive retraining, the entire thing. Okay, great. So we get to develop 
if I want to do cooking strategies after brain injury, I can do cooking strategies after brain injury. I see. So that freedom, autonomy, and the creativity, and being able to work with the students, the survivors, and come up with curriculum. Mm -hmm. Well, sign me up. <laughs> I, 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 we all want to take each other's classes, too. <laughs> exactly. I think what really speaks to me is the ability, besides the autonomy, the ability to do more than just put out the fire. Mm -hmm. You're saying you can do not only put out the fire in the house, but do some remodeling and rebuilding and and form a long-standing relationship that you where you facilitate that recovery. Because people have to have a sense of self. They have to have rebuild an entire sense of self-esteem, self-confidence before they're even willing to try the next step. Right. And I always tell the students, this is a safe, secure environment where mm -hmm. you can practice strategies. Mm -hmm. I can teach the strategies in 30 minutes. Mm -hmm. It's practicing them, integrating them, figuring out what works, what doesn't, dealing with the emotions mm -hmm. of having to use the strategies, having some of them not even work because yeah. that's how severe the impairment is. Yeah. You know, that's a lot of a lot to deal with and it takes time. It definitely is. Do you have any case examples or do you want to talk about anybody who's gone through the program and how they've progressed? Yeah, that's always what keeps us going, obviously. Mm -hmm. I I even followed my own strategies and wrote some notes. Mm -hmm. um, but no, there have been many. There are the very visible kinds of successes, the big-time successes. We've had students go on to become holistic health practitioners, taking acupuncture tests, but I had a role in that, in, in that I was able to write them letters advocating for uh, accommodations. Yes. Several people obviously go through four-year college, a mm -hmm. woman who became a nurse and used all the strategies. This was a woman who was injured 30 years ago and never really could get a career off the ground. And then she came to us wow. and was able to parlay that into a nursing career. So your program was the catalyst. It really, In that case, it really was. We have another young woman who is at a college that has multiple, not just cognitive, but mostly physical issues to deal with. And she was with us for a while and is now at a four-year college and hopes to become a social worker. Mm -hmm. Other students, they live more independently. So an older woman after a stroke who got the courage and the strategies under her belt and was able to move out on her own. She had been living with her son mm -hmm. and taught herself the bus system. Very good. But with the help of other students. Sure. So that was great. Sure. Uh, and then another woman who wrote a book. She was a former attorney. Mm -hmm. and wrote, took our book club and writing classes and wrote a book that we even use in the program today mm. because she attached a workbook to it to help other people journal about their injury. Mm -hmm. We have a student right now who's been inspired by that. She's a former, uh, I think I mentioned her, a former city college and English teacher, mm -hmm. and she's gotten up the courage after learning many strategies, she tried to go back to work and it was absolutely overwhelming, was not able to do it, mm -hmm. which took her many years of getting over that and mm -hmm. letting go of that goal. Uh -huh. And now she's embraced a new goal. She's in, enrolled in writing classes outside of our program and she's working on her memoir. So you really are helping people grieve the loss of these abilities and identities and rebuild and find out what they can do 
how they can optimize their current resources. That's what we hope to do. Sometimes it's bigger things like that and sometimes it's smaller things. Because mm -hmm. we have the flexibility of changing the curriculum from one second, what we're going to talk about. And one woman is aphasic and she talked in my aphasia workshop class, she talked about the fact that she can't argue with her husband anymore. Uh. <laughs> She misses that. <laughs> we talked about her communication skills, but we also talked about what he needs to do on his end for them to have a true discussion, argument. Well, that's a good point. Do you bring in the significant others? Are they allowed to attend classes? They can attend my brain class. For general knowledge, I teach brain anatomy and, and function as well right. to the survivors. Right. Generally, no. We have tried an evening class that was run, by, again, by attendants for family members. Mm -hmm. And that did okay for a while, but it's very difficult with people's schedules to get them to come out and do that. So we really yeah. encourage our students to take their notebooks home and all their handouts and really share them with family members. But I did develop a very specific handout about how to argue with somebody with aphasia and she was able to share that with her husband. Yeah, because I could see a workshop being very useful. We would love to do more of that. I do yeah. do a family day at aphasia workshop. Yeah. What about remote presentation? Does your program have any people who are on Skype or some other That was another thing we've talked about yeah. implementing so they could sort of be part of the class. Mm -hmm. Because really a lot of the benefit of the program comes from physically being there and interacting with the other students, sure. not with us. Sure. Um, but we have talked about the Skype idea. Or sometimes students get ill and can't come, but they could still benefit and keep, stay, keep up with their classes. Sure, yeah. sure. So these are waves of the future. Yeah. <laughs> and I wonder if there could be spin-off support groups that meet outside of class hours. That's a possibility. Mm -hmm. And the other thing I wanted to ask is, is there any type of formal or, or informal patient peer mentoring? Yes, there is a class actually called Peer Support. Okay. So that is our class. You can only sign up for it if you've been there for about a semester. And those are the people, they learn empathetic listening skills mm -hmm. and other, other strategies and skills, and then they are responsible for welcoming the new students that come in every semester. Mm -hmm. They also have a big program of sending condo uh, condolence, get well, and birthday cards to all the students. This is in our afternoon program right, only. Right. And they also have developed um, an orientation booklet. They also help design the t-shirts for when we participate in the brain injury walk, the Survive Headstrong Walk. We right. have our own team called Team ABI. Mm -hmm. They design those t-shirts. Yeah, so we do have that built in That's component. great. Is there a faculty member who will advise or mentor that person who's going to be a support for a more newly injured or Yeah, since it's an actual class, it's taught by one of our teachers, Mia Miyataki. Right. Uh -huh. So she is that person for I them. see. And will she actually pair that person with another survivor? Yes. She'll do that pairing. Yes. And does she monitor that relationship over time to make sure that the needs are met both from the survivor and the mentor? I think in an informal sense. Informal. And okay. really all our students are so helpful to each other. We have many students that will come to us and say, you know, so-and-so is really depressed or so-and-so is really okay. suffering or their dog just died. All right, so it's the support of the community. It's really the support of the community. Okay. Because we do much more than just traditional curriculum within the four walls. Right. All of us work part-time, so this is a challenge. 
I'm probably the lead with the most non-classroom hours. The other teachers really don't have them. Mm -hmm. We try to come up with creative ways to meet with students one-on-one -on -one because mm -hmm. they have been issues that have to be addressed now right. <laughs> and can't right. be addressed in the larger group. Yeah. And I've helped students with all kinds of things, generating questions for their doctor, helping them script out phone conversations. They'll bring in a tub of medical records, literally a plastic tub, and say, help me organize this. Oh, wow. Um, so we'll, we write letters for them. Mia and Joanne meet with students that have crises. They cannot be a counselor over a long time mm -hmm. period. Mm -hmm. We would refer to somebody like you or Barbara Welsh Osga, but they will see people on a short-term basis to get them through a crisis. Sure, sure. Wow. What a, again, comprehensive set of services. What kind of advice do you have for brain injury survivors and families and also for healthcare treaters in dealing with this area of brain injury? For professionals, a couple of things, because we're very big on this. A former counselor in the program introduced me this concept of I-thou. Mm -hmm. To always stay aware of the I-thou relationship, this is for professionals, be aware of each other as having sort of the unity of being human beings, the mutuality. Mm -hmm. we, we, that's a really core concept in our program, at mm -hmm. least, and I think that's relevant to any kind of you know, professional relationship, therapeutic relationship. For everybody, the families, survivors, the professionals, Keep educating yourself, staying on top of what the latest developments are. Mm -hmm. I'm very interested in some treatments of the future and how they're going to be incorporated in the medical world and also in the stuff that we do in the therapeutic world. Mm -hmm. Deep brain stimulation, transcranial magnetic stimulation, direct electrical stimulation, mm -hmm. stem cells, mm -hmm. virtual therapy, mm -hmm. advances in neuroimaging. Mm -hmm. I think it's really important that we all sort of stay up with that and see, start really advocating constraint-induced therapy to get these things actually to happen on a more regular basis. For survivors, we have a lot of analogies that we use in our program. Mm -hmm. One is that you have to use a new measuring stick. Mm. You had a certain yardstick that you measured yourself by prior to the injury. Am I, gonna, am I being successful? How am I doing? Mm -hmm. And really you have to throw that one away mm -hmm. and come up with a new measuring stick because mm -hmm. it's a new you in some ways and a new brain. Mm -hmm. I really try to bolster people's confidence and sense of self. I tell them, you are now the expert. You're the educator mm -hmm. for society. How are people going to understand about brain injury if not from you? It's not going to be from people like me. Mm -hmm. And so you're out there. You become the professional. You're the expert on your own injury. That's why I think it's so important to teach the brain and sure, classes sure. and function classes. Mm -hmm. You're going to be the catalyst of people's changing people's perception of brain injury, changing society and how it relates to disability, how they view that. Mm -hmm. You know, we talk to students about taking risks, try something new, Good. go outside your comfort zone. Mm -hmm persevere, appreciate the wonder of your brain. It's a fine line to walk, particularly in the brain anatomy and function class, because I talk about neurons being damaged, destroyed, changes in the brain. I always have to say to the students, I realize I am talking to people that have lived this, experienced this, and I don't want you to feel like I'm not sensitive to that. And also, you don't want to take away hope. Yes, okay. there's been damage, but there are things like neuroplasticity exactly. and, and treatments that can help them have a 
an improved quality of life. And we talk about that neuroplasticity and the wonder of their brain and mm -hmm. what they've accomplished up to that point. Mm -hmm. To me, one of the joys of the job too is that we talk about this: is the brain is the last great frontier. Mm -hmm. You know, it's more complex than anything probably in outer space or under the ocean. And will our brains ever be able to understand our own brains? Right. There's a question. Yeah. Um, but really, if I had to pick one quote, I use quotes from some of the books. We do a lot of reading in the book club in terms of resources for survivors. These are some of the books that we've read over my head, can highly recommend, by Dr. Claudia Osborne. Uh -huh. Um, one of the best books out there. Most people are familiar with Jill Bolte-Taylor because she was on Oprah. Mm -hmm. My Stroke of Insight mm -hmm. talks about the right versus the left processing mm -hmm. for not only survivors, but especially for caregivers, family members. Where is the Mango Princess? is written from the perspective of a wife mm -hmm. of a TBI survivor. It's very funny. Mm -hmm. And right now we're doing I'll Carry the Fork, which is an older book. Great book, especially if you're an MTBI survivor, nobody's really validating you, and a very practical book of things to do. Mm -hmm. But the book I didn't bring with me, uh, I didn't grab on my way out, Healing into Possibility, is there's a great quote, and this is the one we talk about all the time. It's not about getting 75% of your old life back. It's about having 100% of your new life. Absolutely. And using the resources that are available. Right. And your um, strengths, mm -hmm. playing to your strengths. Yeah. Sounds great. Well, thank you, Heike, for spending all this time and effort and explaining your program and your career path and what services, what great services you have to offer mm -hmm. survivors. I really appreciate it. Well, I appreciate you asking me. Thank you. Please like, subscribe, and comment.